Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Do you ever feel frustrated? Well, your dog does. Frustration occurs when an animal is interrupted in reaching their goals. Unfortunately, this occurs all too often in the modern world when a dog's goals do not align with those of their human companion. This can be a source of distress for both you and your dog, but it can also lead to the development of problem behaviors and can damage the relationship that you have with your dog. But we have answers for you. Join us for a two-day in-person seminar October 5th and 6th with instruction by Daniel Shaw. Daniel Shaw is an animal behaviorist with a background in animal behavior, psychology, and neuroscience. He will be talking about what frustration is and how it can be identified, the difficulty of conventional approaches in resolving frustration, what influences the value of rewards, as well as supporting frustrated dogs and building frustration tolerance. You can buy early bird tickets now until August the 5th, and be sure that you join us for our pre-seminar social Friday evening where you can meet Daniel and the Dog Speak team. We look forward to seeing you October 5th and 6th in Nashville, Tennessee for the Neuroscience of Resolving Frustration in Dogs seminar. Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Hope you're having a wonderful week. It is just me today on the podcast. I know you guys are going to miss Britt, but unfortunately, she's just super busy. So it's just me today. But here's what I'm thinking that I can probably pull off. If I can do a couple of really short episodes, I may be able to give you guys a couple of episodes a week or a really long episode one every two weeks. So I'm, I'm working out a few new little formats. So bear with me. Uh, the biggest goal is just getting you guys the information I think that you need. We've had some really great emails on some recommendations of what people would like to have as far as podcast episode. Please continue to send those in. Uh, it really does help me because my brain is in 158 different uh directions, especially with trying to get things ready for 2024. So I could help your creativity and your ideas. So please email us at info at dogspeak101.com if you have ideas. That would be fantastic. We do have, um, I have a few ideas on special guests that I'm hoping to get set up with so that we can launch in 2024 with some special guests. I also have one more help uh, or one more ask of help from you guys. We have offered a Dog Speak Geek membership. And this year, we, we launched it in 2023, the beginning of the year. And we've had a couple of people take advantage. Now, with the membership, there are a couple of different options where you have a private Facebook page. You can get uh, our seminars for free. You get a monthly Zoom with one of our trainers. You, you know, treat bag, those type things. But... We want to launch a different type of membership this year. I mean, similar but different. We are going to offer monthly memberships instead of a six-month or year-long membership. We're going to offer monthly memberships where you can pay monthly for a certain list of items and support. So I'm looking at three tiers. I think I know what would be beneficial for you guys. However, 
I would love to hear from you on what you would like to see as far as resources available for our membership. So you can throw me out uh, just some things that you think would be beneficial for you that you'd be willing to pay for. Uh, you can again email us at info at dogspeak101.com. So we're looking at three different tiers with some online content, in-person content. Uh, but of course, if you're not local, we have Zoom options and those type things. So again, just send me some information. We're going to launch the new monthly memberships in 2024. So uh, send me your thoughts and ideas. We are going to be offering some new online content in 2024. I am in the process right now of working on our course, Developing Relationships, Not Dictatorships. This is going to be a four-part series on creating foundation and really doing the right things in order to build a relationship with your dog. That is something that I'm, I'm super excited about that. We have a new leash walking um, course that we're going to be putting together. Some of these will be small, some will be a little bit bigger. And of course, we have our online reactive dog workshop that will be a six-week process starting in January. So check these things out on the website. Uh, they may not be added just yet because Britt is going to need to add those. We are trying to finalize things for 2024. So be sure that you are uh, checking out the website for that. And I will be um, also... Gosh, what was I about to say? Man, see, when Britt's not here, she can't fill in the gaps when I'm sitting here and, and losing my thought process. But yeah, oh, and the newsletters. If you've not signed up for the newsletter, please sign up. I'm going to start sending out um, either a, a bi-weekly or a monthly newsletter. I think we're going to go bi-weekly newsletter with some advice and tips, not just information on what we have coming up but trying to even put in some links of videos and things of that nature. So those are the things that we're working on. So please be patient. You know, 2023 was a, a very difficult year for me health-wise, but I am coming back stronger than ever, and I am so ready to get with you guys. I am ready to travel and do um, talks and weekend workshops. So if you have any interest in the weekend workshops for 2024, send us an email and we can start talking about what that would look like cost and all of that good stuff. All right, so I do want to just talk about a few things today on um, mostly some puppy stuff because I know that the holidays are coming up and many people are getting puppies for the holidays and so I want to just talk a little bit about puppies and some of the myths that are surrounding puppies and I think one of the biggest that I find that people believe is that dogs will grow out of chewing and biting and playing rough and that is just a myth. Yes, puppies are much more likely to bite and chew and just overall be bratty than adults but if they are not taught as puppies and as they're beginning to mature and develop, if they're not taught that chewing on mom's couch isn't appropriate and the more appropriate thing is to chew on their toys then as an adult they will continue chewing on that couch and the damage will be much worse because the strength in the jaw and the size of the teeth have gotten much bigger so with puppies you really do have to 
work on the chewing and the biting. You don't want to punish chewing and biting. Chewing is very normal and very natural, and some dogs find it very soothing, relaxing, and it can be a form of decompression. So if your dog likes to chew, they may not be chewing on the right items, but it's your job and responsibility to give them the right item to chew on. So if you see your dog chewing on something that they're not supposed to, and this doesn't matter what age, what you need to do is calmly and quietly remove the item from them or remove them from the item So if they're chewing on the couch, you can gently redirect them away from the couch and give them something that they can chew on. Now, this could be an item that's similar to the couch. So maybe if you have a leather couch, you have a leather type toy that they can chew on. You can also give them something else that that is better in that moment. So if you have a dog chewing the couch out of frustration because they don't know what to do then maybe giving them something a little bit harder to chew on and ingest like a nice uh, chew bone like a bully stick a duck head a trachea something that the dog can really get in there and get a big reward not just with the soothing action of chewing but also the ingestation of something tasty That is the best way to help dogs learn what is appropriate to chew on. Now, I know a lot of people say, well, Nikki, if we give them a leather item to chew on, won't that mean that they'll chew on the leather couch more often? No. Even though the material is the same, the object is very different. And if they never have the opportunity to chew that specific item, and they are redirected to chewing the appropriate item, they will learn that that is an item that we do not chew on, even though the material is the same. I mean, we can look at this across the board when we have toys like the lamb chop that is so soft and comfy, but we also have blankets that have the same material. And my dogs can lay on those blankets and not chew that blanket because they know that's not what you chew on all because we've supervised and we've helped them to learn the appropriate items. So make sure that you're really supervising your puppy in order to help them learn the appropriate items to chew on. Now, I know people are saying, well, okay, they'll chew on the toy I give them for a few minutes and then they go back to the couch. Okay, well, repeat the process. So you want to make sure you're following through and consistently doing this. A one and done does not teach the dog what they need to be doing. One and done is management. One and done means I'm removing you from the couch and I'm not giving you opportunities to chew on it again. So I'm never even going to give you a chance. At that time, you're not giving the dog an opportunity to actually learn because we have to be able to make choices in order to learn. So when they go back to the couch, if they start chewing on it, redirect them again, give them that toy to chew on or maybe try a different toy if they didn't care for that one and then repeat the process again typically about the fourth time if my dog is just not quite picking it up then I may remove the dog into a nice quiet zone for a minute and that can be a little decompression zone you can look at it as a timeout to where the dog is just losing the opportunity 
to earn rewards or do fun things, but it's not met with um, anger or frustration from you. It's just a simple, okay, you just need a quick break. Now, this could simply be if you have a puppy, that quiet space could be inside their playpen where they have all the items that they are allowed to chew on are in there and they can choose which item is best. But if you want to work on the not chewing on the couch, then after about a minute, let them back out and repeat the process as needed up to that four times and then back in the playpen. If you cannot deal with it in a moment, say you're in the middle of a, you know, a work call and your dog's chewing on the couch. Yes, you're going to have to excuse yourself from the work call and go put the dog in the playpen where they can only chew on the items that are correct. We'd like for you to be a little more proactive. If you know you're going to be on a work call and you can't necessarily supervise your dog, puppy, go ahead and put them in the playpen. We talk a lot about setting our dogs up for success, but we have to learn to set ourselves up for success. So if you're not able to watch your dog, assume, especially if they're under the age of two, assume they cannot make the right decisions on you know, themselves without some type of guidance. So make sure you set them up for success to where the only choices are the right choices. Now, the same thing when it comes to biting and play biting. Dogs absolutely play with their mouth and they do need to learn bite inhibition. And that's where dogs are learning to control the actual pressure that they're using when they're using their teeth. It is important that dogs learn how to have that bite inhibition because biting is a part of the communication. Dogs will use that bite as a level three, which is typically a snap that makes contact to avoid true aggression or true conflict. So we don't want to punish them for the biting. We do want to help them learn that softer is better. And adult dogs will help with that tremendously, but they are just a little bit more tolerant than we are. And just the way that our body is set up, our skin is just not quite as tough. And also because we have our skin is so close to most of our bones that when a dog hits us with our teeth, the pain really comes from hitting that bone more so than the actual skin. So I still we'll use a quick yelp to let a dog know that that hurts me. And I'll just do a quick and I'll pull away and I ignore. And I know there are people out there that say, but Nikki, isn't that, you know, isn't that an aversive where you're scaring the dog? Well, the way I look at it is this. Does it scare the dog? I'm sure it does, but it's a natural communication from the dog to say, I'm hurting, right? So when a dog does it, it scares me, right? I have stepped on Myers a couple of times this past week and he's had a big yip and it scared me, but it only scared me. And actually I won't say scare, it startled me, but I immediately understood why he made that noise. So it was a very clear communication. So if I'm doing the same thing, if I do a quick yip, pull away and ignore, then I'm giving clear communication to a dog in a way that they understand that that hurts me 
and I usually ignore for only about three seconds, and then I'm going to re-engage with my dog. Because I want them to know that, hey, I'm not mad. I, I just hurt. Now we can play differently. So because it's such a natural communicator, and it's not based on any type of physical correction, I still use it. Now, if you don't feel comfortable with it, you can simply just pull away and ignore your dog. Get up, walk away, get out of the floor, whatever the case may be. But there are times where dogs absolutely, and especially puppies, need to use that mouth and just be as rough as they would with their siblings. And this is where we, we do the Carl hack. Now, this is coming from our family dog mediation course. Um, as a family dog mediator, we have some hacks that allow us to, um, you know, just make some headway with dogs. And this one hack is basically taking a stuffed fake dog close to being equal to the size of your dog and allowing them to really play as roughly as they would like with that dog. It's not something that's left out all the time. It is specifically in those moments when your puppy turns into a demon. And we all know what that looks like when our puppy turns into a demon. Or as uh, Elena and Ash say on Morbid Podcast, a demon. Right? So that is a great time to use that uh, don't share it with other dogs in the household. This is a great place. Uh, the playpen is a great place for this activity. And the dogs that we use come from Melissa and Doug. You can just Google that. I guess I could put that in the show notes as well. But Melissa and Doug, and they do have life-size um, stuffed dogs. And so for a lot of puppies, we'll use the small ones like the Jack Russell Terrier or the Dachshund, but they do have your larger dogs, labs. Um, I like the ones that are already standing, but you can certainly get one that's just sitting. I think a German Shepherd they have, and they're pretty lifelike. Uh, we use them a lot for reactivity, but they are great to use to still allow your dog to have that five, 10 minutes of really rough play. And that's really all you wanna, you wanna keep it fairly minimal. Really rough play, and then you'll go and put that away. Now, when that play is happening, you don't need to be involved. It's between them and their Carl. And that is it. So make sure that you give that to them. Let them get that energy out. And then you can put that item away. Typically after that, a puppy's going to need a quick potty break. And then probably a good nap. All right. So another little myth that is... A part of puppyhood is, and I'm still hearing it quite a bit, and I don't know why, because I feel like we've come a long way, is that consoling a dog or comforting a dog when they're afraid will increase their fear or will reward their fear. So that is a myth. You can't reward an emotion the emotion itself already has a level of reward inside the dog's system, so in the brain. When a dog is afraid, you have a different set of chemicals that are released. When the dog is happy, 
you have a different set of chemicals that are released. What the dog learns is how do we make these feelings happen in order to have those chemicals released. So if a dog sees playing Frisbee releases dopamine, then the Frisbee will become the signal for dopamine to be released. So when you have a dog who's afraid of, say, thunderstorms, and that first rumble of thunder happens and the dog is afraid, it's going to release uh, different chemicals. So cortisol, uh, possibly some adrenaline, but we'll stick with some cortisol. So with the cortisol is being released, at that point, the cortisol is not rewarding, right? It's basically putting the dog in fight, flight, or freeze mode. That's not a reward for the system. That is a a cue for the body to do something, for the body to physically do something. In that moment, the dog is not seeing that something is good. So if we gave treats in that moment, the dog's not going to be like, oh, okay, feeling this way feels good because I get treats. No, the dog may eat the treat because, well, it's a life-sustaining resource, but it's not doing anything for the chemicals in the brain. It's not going to enhance the cortisol. What it could do, though, when you, let's say you're giving your dog a lick mat during right before a thunderstorm is there, the first rumble, um, even before the first rumble is ideal, you give the dog something like a lick mat, and by licking, it's reducing the stress, and that's going to release some dopamine. And what we want is we want the dopamine to come in and override the cortisol. So your dog needs that comfort. Your dog needs that love, that you know, reassurance, because you are the tour guide, you are the upper management, you need to be their secure attachment. So just know your dog is not going to walk around and say, you know what, I'm going to pretend like I'm afraid so I can get a lick mat. That's not how it works, right? We don't walk around going, "Ooh, I'm going to act afraid. So someone will come give me a hug. Well, okay, I'm going to say that. Um, I'm going to take that one back, because I, I believe humans probably do that. But that's because they are not necessarily feeling the fear chemically. They're just acting, right? So dogs, if they act something, that means there's something in the brain that's created that. They're not, they're not manipulative. And I know that a lot of people believe their dogs are manipulative, but they're not. They don't have that type of thought process. So yes, please Console your dog and comfort your dog when they're afraid. This is the difference between a dog running away from your yard during fireworks and running to you from the yard with fireworks. So recognize when your dog is uncomfortable, and especially with puppies, as we get them out and we start exposing them and socializing them, we need to be aware when they're afraid. And when they are afraid, we need to be respectful of that. We don't need to push them or encourage them by you know, putting a, a treat on an item just so they'll walk up to that scary item and get the treat. That is forcing a dog into a situation that's scary. And the closer that they get to that scary object, the more cortisol that's going to be released. We need to stay back away from the item and allow the dog to make those choices. Let the dog control whether they approach or they walk away. And if we start taking our 
kind of information from the dog's behavior, say we walk close to a statue and the dog sees the statue and immediately puts the nose down and starts sniffing. Okay. Well, in that moment, that dog is saying, that statue is making me uncomfortable. So I'm just going to make sure everything is calm. I'm going to sniff to help kind of decompress myself, but also just in case there's anything scary or of that statue, I want to calm that statue because I'm not sure what it is. So I'm a little conflicted. So I'm going to sniff a little bit. But what most people do when they see their dog sniffing, they try to get their dog's attention and saying, hey, look at the statue. Come on, Fido. Let's sit with the statue. Isn't it cute? Come on, Fido. And Fido's now like, oh, crap. Now I have to not only calm the statue, calm myself, but now I've got to calm my mom or dad because they're obviously got some cortisol releasing as well on this statue. Instead, we go, okay, you're sniffing. You're not comfortable yet. I'll just sit here and wait. And if the dog is allowed to do that, more than likely... They'll end up looking up, maybe moving a little bit closer to the statue, which is when you can be like, oh, that's a good puppy. You're being so brave. Oh, you're a good puppy. And these are great ways to help your dog understand that you've got their back and that you will support them in the decisions that they make and that you'll help them make good decisions, but only if they are ready and willing. So it's a true partnership. And and that's really... What I'm trying to create in the new online course that we'll launch in January with building a relationship and not a dictatorship. So you see, I'm not talking about let's teach all these commands. I think if you listen back to the episodes, we don't do a whole lot on teaching commands. And I know that there are a lot of old episodes to where you listen today. It's very different from what we believe now. And that's because we like to continually educate and improve ourselves and the way we interact with dogs based on the research that's coming out and the science that's coming out. And it's just really been a fascinating journey for me uh, because yes, I was the believer of, you know, you can let them come and lay next to you when they were afraid, but you don't need to give them treats, don't pet on them, just kind of hang out and act like it's not a big deal. Uh, but even I have changed my thought on that to where, yes, I still want to be my dog's rock and I'm, I'm going to pretend like that thunderstorm is not a big deal, right? Just like I did with my niece when she was living with us. And if, say, we had a tornado warning, I hate tornadoes. I am very afraid of tornadoes and most of my stress dreams basically are me in a tornado. I don't like them. But if you are around me when a tornado watch or warning is issued, you would not know it because I'm going to project confidence. I'm going to project leadership skills. I'm going to direct the dogs and the family to what what needs to happen and where we need to go in order to be safe. You know, so that is kind of what you need to be doing is saying, okay, look, I'm your rock. I am here for you. If you're afraid of that statue, I will sit here with you and look at the statue. I will let you know it's okay, and we will walk away and try it another day if that's what we need to do. If it's that important you see that statue, we can do it another day. So I hope that makes a little sense for you guys to understand that we can't, you can't reinforce the chemical releases of the brain. The dog can learn how to release those chemicals and what releases those chemicals just like we do. But we need to make sure that we are respectful of how they're feeling 
and be there for them regardless if it's a good situation or bad situation. And we don't need to be the, the unpredictability in their life. We, we need to be predictable and we need to make sure that we have their backs no matter what is happening in the environment and no matter what behavior they're showing, right? If they're showing uh, their asshole side, well, that's just okay. I'm pretty sure you've shown your asshole side this week. So don't hate on the dog for showing their asshole side. Just say, you know what, buddy? I should have asked you if you were ready to come out and do this today, and I didn't, and I apologize. We'll just, we'll, let's go do something else. You know, I've gotten into the habit now of I ask little man when I want to take him somewhere. Um, my dog's, well, not Isabella, but Myers doesn't wear a collar at the house. Um, he basically stays naked. He is starting to wear a little bit more like sweatshirts when it's really cold, but um, I let him just be naked. When we are going to go somewhere and I want to take him somewhere, I ask him, hey, buddy, you want to go for a ride? Do you want to go do this? Do you want to go do that? And I'll get out his harness, and if he comes to me and wants to put it on, he wants to go. There are times where he doesn't want to and he will not come to me. So I say, okay, maybe another day, and I put it away. And I go about my business. If it's a day where I have to take him, I will typically get the harness first. I will either ask him to get up on the chair or on my bed. And then I'll put it on him and tell him what we're doing today. And I can do that without losing uh, really any trust because of respecting him when he didn't want to go before. He knows if I'm making him go, then it's something that I just have to do. So I really think that's important that we start asking our dogs if they want to do things, right? You know, I get tickled when I watch people, when a dog is maybe laying there and I'm at a client's and, uh, you know, they're giving commands or whatever. And I'll watch somebody say, do you want to go outside? And the dog lays there and looks at them and they go, do you want to go outside? And the dog's lays there and looks at him. Let's go outside. Oh, let's go outside. You want to go outside? Let's go outside. And the dog just lays there and looks at him. Now, if the dog wanted to go outside, more than likely, the first or second time you asked, the dog would have jumped up and gone to the door that they know is the door to outside. If they just lay there, they're probably telling you they don't want to go outside. But yet you keep asking, waiting for the answer that you want. So if you want the dog to go outside, say because the dog needs to potty before you leave, then just say, we need to go outside. Let's go. And take them outside. Don't keep asking until you get the answer you are looking for. If you don't really want the answer, don't ask. Just tell. But if there there are times, there are more times than not that you can ask your dog without telling them. And... I really think that we need to be more respectful of our dogs with that. Um, Puppies love hugs and cuddles and people petting all over them. And they love to just be held and all that good stuff and kissed on the face. And you know what? Not every puppy loves that. Right? That is a myth. Not all dogs love that. I'm going to say all dogs, not just puppies. There are, you know, we talked on our episode of love language, um, Quality time for Myers. He loves to play. Um, He likes new toys, so he likes gifts, and he loves words of affirmation. He's not a big cuddler. He does not come snuggle with me. 
Uh, he will sit occasionally with me, probably for less than five minutes. It's just not his thing. Uh, do I hate that? Sometimes, because I really like that cuddle. But I want to make sure that I'm respectful of that. Even though there are times that I really would like him to sit with me, I'm not going to force it because it's not something I absolutely need him to do. And I, again, like we talked about with Isabella a couple of episodes ago, she's gone from quality time to touch. She loves touch. And so as she's matured, that's become a little more important. Puppies are just so into the world and so excited and we want them to be. And I think that there are times that they're going to want to cuddle and hang with you, but we need to let that be their choice and not forcing it. And if you do have a puppy and when you get a puppy, please do not have a big puppy party where 30 people are coming over and overwhelming your dog and overwhelming your puppy. Right? This The puppy is going to be overwhelmed, being taken away from what it's known uh, to a new environment that doesn't understand the rules, doesn't have a secure attachment yet, doesn't have a safe place, not sure if they even feel safe yet because they don't know their environment. Just give them time. I know we all want to take new puppies and show them and do everything, but that can really be very overwhelming. And I did that. I did that with my last Roddy uh, day in Dublin. I took her to three seminars for uh, human remains detection before she was like three months old and I got her at eight weeks and so within that four weeks we had three different seminars to where she was in three different environments plus the driving uh, plus being at home with her siblings getting to know them but getting new people learning new manners uh, getting uh, used to uh, human remains odor and, and it was just too much and her brain never had a chance to learn how to uh, be stressed and then return back to baseline, right? So that resilience didn't build in her as much as it needed. So I know that I needed to keep her world a little bit smaller, and I have learned from that. And so my next Roddy will keep that world a little bit smaller and not throw so much in such a small amount of time. And I, and I think we do that a lot of times with service dogs or therapy dogs. When we think about a dog, when we want to put them into something as adults, we tend to overwhelm them as puppies to try to get them faster. And we can't, we cannot speed up the process of learning the skills if they're going to do a job. I was trying to get her to where she would be certified at a year because I was going to be retiring Tiba. And yes, Dayan did certify in human remains detection for building uh, wilderness um, and water uh, at a year old. And so uh, it was great. But um, her normal daily life had, was, in, was affected. And when I retired from, or I should say I retired, I took a sabbatical from search and rescue and human remains detection. I'm hoping to go back one day soon. She didn't have that job anymore, and she didn't have a job at all. And so she really struggled uh, just with everyday life. And she was a good dog, and, and overall, it was fine. And no one probably would have even noticed, but I noticed because, well, it's my job to notice. So I won't make that mistake again, and you guys can learn from my mistakes 
And yes, I'm a dog trainer of 27 plus years. I still make mistakes because it is something that these dogs are evolving. We are evolving. Our environment's evolving. Things are changing on a regular basis and we're learning more. So what you knew five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, isn't necessarily true today. So you may have had dogs your entire life. Please understand that that doesn't make you an expert. And if anybody saw the TikTok or the Instagram video I put on um, on there, what was it, day before last, stop asking everyone's opinions about your dog's behavior and stop giving opinions on dog behavior if you don't do this for a living, right? You can say, hey, I tried this, but not sure it won't work with your dog, but this is what helped me. But don't be telling people, yeah, you've got to go use a shock collar. Let's do this or, you know, and don't be getting your advice off the internet from people who've just had dogs their whole life, but never have really understood them. Like, I mean, it's like saying, I've been around cars literally my whole life. There's never been a time where a car has not been in my life. I've been driving cars. I've owned cars. I've washed cars, I've changed tires, I've changed lamps and lights and blinkers, but I don't understand the true workings of the engine inside the car. Therefore, I can't say, yeah, I've had cars my whole life. I'm a mechanic. No, I'm not. I don't understand that. So yes, you can have experience with your dog, but that's an experience with your dog and your past dogs. Uh, So just keep in mind that when you are looking for information on dogs, stick with people who have done this for a living, who have have continuing education, who've studied, and who knows that their ending of learning doesn't happen until the ending of life, right? I am only as knowledgeable as I am today, which will be less than how much knowledge I'll have tomorrow because I'm willing to open up and learn. So just keep that in mind. Um, And I think with that pertaining to like pet dogs, don't compare your dog to a dog you've had in the past. Because that's going to be frustration uh, building up for you and the dog. But it's also going to um, really affect the relationship that you're building with your dog. And I know because I did that as well. So look, I'm, I'm willing to share the mistakes that I've made and what I've learned from them. And really none of the mistakes I've made have been absolutely just devastating But it was enough that I think it did affect the welfare of my dog at at a time in her life. And that wasn't fair. She was a phenomenal dog. And I kept comparing her to Tiba, who was my heart and my soul. And that wasn't fair to her because she really was a phenomenal dog. And I have to remember that when I get that next Friday to also not compare. There's some words of wisdom for you and some myth busters, which we like to do. And I hope you enjoyed the kind of, it's a kind of a quick episode and it's just me, 
But I do appreciate you guys and uh, continue, please, to rate and review, share the podcast. Uh, be sure you check out what we have offered on the website. Be looking for a lot of new things that are coming up in 24. And please share uh, your ideas on podcast episodes, but also on what you would like to see with a tiered monthly membership program starting in 24. So I'm really excited about 2024. I'm ready to get back there 110%. I missed you guys this year. And I'm really hoping to meet a bunch of you guys face-to-face, whether it's me coming to you or you coming to Nashville for a weekend workshop. Uh, we would love to, to have that as well. All right, so I hope you guys have a great rest of the week.